little bit of a reminder because you sit in this section of boys in the middle over here and don't listen to me when I talk. Uh, we started a new series. It's called All In, All the Time. That's last week's slides. If we could get this week's up, would be excellent. Thank you. It's called All In, All the Time. And we looked at three different ways that we uh, can be all in. And those three ways were to be committed, to be consistent, and to be in community. And so tonight, we're going to start with the first thing there, being committed. Next week, we'll get into being consistent, and then we'll look at what it looks like to do this in community in our uh, fourth week in this series. But as we look at the idea of being committed, we're going to look into Philippians chapter 3. And in that chapter, uh, Paul is writing and he's using a lot of metaphors about athletics. Uh, specifically, he's talking about running a race. You might have seen uh, some of this kind of language in scripture and pull quotes, stuff like that before. Um, but this whole uh, couple of sections of uh, the letter to Philippians is all using this athletic metaphor. And so when he talks about running a race or being in a race uh, to talk about the Christian life, he is also using a metaphor that a lot of people would know. Um, what kind of races do we have? We have, like when you think in sports, races. Horse. A horse race, a NASCAR race. Um, okay, types of running races, yes. Love that. Swim races. Yeah. So, sailing race. Okay, we don't need to get every single one. Um, I just wanted a couple. But, potato. who said that? That's a great one. I like that. Potato sack race. Um, all right. A hot dog eating race? Uh, not exactly what we're looking at here. Anyway, those are all excellent Types of races. Good job, guys. Sorry I asked. Um, but uh, Paul would have been writing about specifically either. Uh, he would have been talking about either a foot race, like a running race, or a chariot race. Would have been kind of the two main races of that time. And I wish that we still did chariot racing because I would watch the heck out of that. It would be awesome. But as I was looking at this and, and reading Philippians, and there was just so much like, talking about running races and, um, and stuff like that. And uh, I, I was thinking about other types of races that we encounter. And most of those types of events, types of sporting, uh, like things that you can watch, happen in an event that happens at once every four years called the Olympics. Ah, so you've heard of it. Good. Um, and so the Olympics, the modern-day Olympics, have been going on for the past few hundred years. Um, but before that, in ancient Greece, they would hold the Greek games, the Olympiads. And in these, uh, in these Greek games, anybody who was a Greek citizen could compete at these games. So if you were a Greek citizen, you could show up and be like, I'm here for the race. I'm here to drive my chariot. I'm here to run, whatever it was. You didn't really have to be good at it. You probably would lose if you weren't good at it, but you could just show up if you were a Greek citizen and you could do the race at these events. And I think as we look at that kind of in the modern Olympiad format, right, it's similar still, but everyone's not Greek, but if, if you, as an American citizen, you would go represent America in the Olympics in your chosen field if you made it, right? 
And so you're a citizen of this country. You go in to compete. It doesn't make, mean you're necessarily going to win, but the fact that you're going, you're getting to represent your country. It could be an exciting thing. Obviously, winning would be cool if you were going to the Olympics, but I feel like just getting there, the honor of competing would be an incredible thing. And as I think about the Olympics, I once showed a video about an Olympic event because I had just had COVID. I was remembering this this afternoon. And I just had COVID and I was like really tired still, you know. And um, when I came back and I was like, I need to get psyched up. And I was like, there's an Olympic event that psychs me up. And in, you guys probably, some of you weren't even born for this. This is crazy. In 2008, they held an Olympics in Beijing. And there was a guy, I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's Michael Phelps. He was a swimmer. He was going for eight gold medals. The second event final that he was in was one that they were not favored in. It was the four by 100 meter freestyle relay. Michael Phelps leads off the relay. United States in first. The second guy, his name was Garrett Weber Gale. Don't ask why I know weird information like that. I just do. Garrett Weber Gale dives in. He touches the wall with his uh, down and back. He's done. America is in first. The third guy, Cullen Jones, not definitely the weakest link on the team. And the, our biggest competitor in this was the French national team. And they had three of the four fastest swimmers uh, in the 100 free at this time. Okay, so the French, the favorites, they're probably already mad that they're losing halfway through the race. Their third guy goes in. He's their second best swimmer. He mows Cullen Jones down. We no longer have the lead. And this is where we're going to pick up the race. We're going to get jacked. We're going to watch one of the greatest Olympic events of all time. Hopefully with sound. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, Lee Bernard awaits as the anchor guy. And Jason Lezak is going to have to make up some ground on Elaine Bernard, who stands six feet five and can absolutely fly. I just don't think they can do it, Dan. I mean, Jason Leegzak has been there how many times in his career has he anchored this free relay and medley relay, but I, I just don't think he can do it. He's trying to ride that wave as much as possible. Bernard is pulling away from him. were because it was the NBC broadcast. There's no way they were like anything to be beeped there. That's very weird. Um, but anyway, man, that just jacks me up anyway. And as we talk about being committed, I think about uh, oftentimes if I'm, I, granted I've never been in a situation where I'm trying to win a gold medal at an Olympics, so it's a little bit different, but even, even more important maybe that because of that, I oftentimes find myself in situations where it's like, well, I don't... That's a long way to go still. I'm not going to win. Like, why even keep going? If I was Jason Lezak there diving in, I get to the other end of the pool, I turn, I look up, I'm still getting smoked. I'm like, maybe we'll just cruise into silver, you know? But, but he, he was committed to the race. He was committed to finishing and giving it his all and getting to the end no matter what. I think even if they had lost, 
he still probably would have been proud of how he had swum that, how he had represented the United States in that race, right? And as we think about this idea, this deep metaphor of athletics, of Olympiads, of all that stuff, and we look at what Paul was trying to get across, he's trying to get across this idea of, yeah, like citizens uh, could compete in the Olympics for their country, but in that same way, we are citizens of heaven, right? In our, as Christians, we are citizens of heaven, and that means that we are representing not our country, but we are representing God. And what does it look like to be committed in our faith, committed to our faith to the point where everything we do, everywhere we go, we are representing, just like those swimmers represent the United States or France or whatever country they're from in that race, we, as we go out, not once every four years, not for one minute in a pool, but every day of our lives, we represent as citizens of heaven. And I think as we look at this idea of what it looks like to be committed, that we are citizens of heaven and what being committed looks like and who we represent, uh, I'm really excited to dive into what Paul had to say about this in Philippians chapter 3. And so we're just going to look at uh, if you want to read the whole chapter later, it's really good, but we, I feel like I could talk for hours on it. So we're only going to look at four verses, um, and we're going to look at the idea of being committed and what Paul had to say about it. And so Philippians 3, 12 through 16 says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God is Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And I think uh, Paul, talking about athletics leading into this, talking about this idea of a race, of all these like big verbs that you would also use in, uh, in athletics. Um, but it's not swimming, it's this responsibility that we have as citizens of heaven. As we look at this idea of commitment, of what that looks like as a citizen of heaven, as a follower of Jesus, I think that in this four verses right here, we can pull out four different characteristics of commitment. ...that we can find here and four, four different things that uh, uh, attributes, characteristics... ...that we can try to build into our daily life, reaffirm if we already are there... ...and continue to strive forward to uh, ultimately perfect, which we will never reach. So it's a, it's a never-ending goal. We'll talk about that in a second. But the first characteristics of commitment that I wanted to look at is in that first verse, verse 12... ...and it is dissatisfaction. And it's weird to start with a negative... Right? Dissatisfaction uh, sounds like a, it should be a bad thing with that prefix. Um, but in, in verse 12, Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. So he's saying I'm not perfect. I'm not. He's admitting he's not perfect. But he, what does he do? He presses on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. I do not consider that I have made it on my own way. And I think... as we. <clears throat> As we look at this idea of what dissatisfaction, what could I possibly be meaning here? It's that we cannot be self-satisfied, but we must, like Paul says, press on. Because as he says in verse 12, we are not perfect. And I think oftentimes we can get to a point where we're just kind of satisfied with where we're at in our faith. Right? We're like, you know, I'm doing okay. I prayed the other day. 
I showed up on Thursday night. I am, I'm riding the wave. I'm doing just fine. And, and even to make ourselves feel better about this, sometimes we compare ourselves to others. And I know that when I do this, I always pick somebody who I know. When I compare myself to them, I'm coming out looking like A-plus Christian material. Right? I'm looking at somebody else like, well, I'm not doing what they're doing. And I am doing positive things that they're not doing. I am doing just fine. We compare ourselves to others. We make ourselves feel better about maybe not living up to how we know we should be living. To make ourselves feel better about ourselves and our faith. And Paul is not comparing himself to anybody in this but himself. He's like, I'm looking at me and I'm looking to Jesus. Right? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul compares himself to himself and to Jesus. And the knowledge that we aren't perfect, right? That he admits right there in verse 12, acceptance of that is a mark of spiritual maturity. But we can get satisfied where we do not press on, but we merely exist in a certain spot in our faith, right? We don't press on towards Jesus, the only one we should be comparing ourselves with. And I would ask us to think about this idea of, of what or where are we satisfied in our faith where we should be continuing to press on towards Jesus, to continue to strive to be more like him. If, Christ, if the Christian life calls us to be like Christ, why are we comparing ourselves to other people? Why are we not comparing ourselves to Jesus? Why are we not attempting to seek and be like him? Uh, and and uh, in the, the psalmist, Psalm 42, uh, kind of puts it in a, in a really cool way and a way I really like. It says, as, deer, as a deer pants for flowing streams... So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And I like this idea of my soul thirsting. If you drank all the water you could right now, you're not setting yourself up for like the next month of water intake. You will still need water later on. In the same way, no matter how good you're feeling about where you're at in your faith and what you're doing in your prayer life, in, in how often you go to church, whatever you're doing now is not racking you up to be good for longer, right? Just like you're going to always need water, you're going to always need Jesus. The first characteristic, be dissatisfied. Never be satisfied with where you're at. Always continue to press on towards Jesus. The second characteristic of commitment in verse 13, that next little part, uh, devotion. And Paul writes, one thing, I do, and then he lists that thing that we'll, be, we'll get to in a second. But I think that this idea of having one thing, I think too many, of us, too many of us are involved in too many things. Being committed is a devotion to one thing, being all in for Jesus all the time. And if you think about staying in this athletic format, right, most professional athletes probably could have been professional athletes in any sport they wanted. They are freak athletes, but they decided to de dedicate their training and their life towards one thing, to focus to become the best at that one thing. It's a matter of values and priorities. We got to ask ourselves, are we living for what matters most? And what's interesting is that when I say focus on one thing, we have many things. I feel like a lot of us are immediately going to go to, oh, like, he must be talking about, like, band or sports or other things like that, that kind of counter like the time I, I feel like I can put into church and that's not always the case sometimes like none of those things are inherently bad 
Just like uh, sometimes I feel like the many things can all be within that like umbrella of what we would label Christian, right? We could be splitting ourselves in a bunch of ways and none of them are bad, um, but, but, might, but not all of them can be where God is calling us to serve, right? I've been here at the chapel for 10 years and I really feel like student ministry is where I have been called to, to spend my time and energy uh, working with the Lord. And if I was out, like if I went and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a nonprofit where we go mow the lawns of old ladies who can't do it. Like that's not a bad thing. But if I feel like I've been called here and now I start not showing up on Thursdays because I got to go mow some old lady's lawn, well, that's not a bad thing in and of itself. It's pulling me away from where I feel like God is calling me in my life. I'm not just talking about sports or whatever, or homework or whatever the other time commitment things are. Sometimes there's spiritual commitments as well that can maybe be pulling us from our one thing that God is calling us towards. The third characteristic is direction. You find that in 13, the back half of 13 and 14. He said, forgetting, so this is right after the one thing, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Looking at straining forward, being committed is not being directed by where we have been, but it's looking to the future straining forward where we are going, where God is calling us. And I think it's interesting that he, he uses this word forgetting. And I think we read that and we're like, forgetting what lies behind does not mean failing to remember. It means no longer being influenced or affected by what is back there. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, uh, the author of Hebrews writes, I will remember... Their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of, uh, for sin. And so that is uh, quoting the Holy Spirit talking about uh, people uh, who follow Jesus, right? I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. In that same way, it's not failing to acknowledge that they existed, but no longer allowing that to be an influence or affecting where we are going. Life with Jesus being committed is about allowing him to direct the course of our lives now, not where we've been, not who we were, not what we did. That's not where, that's not what's propelling us forward, but it's who we're moving towards, where we are straining forward, who we are trying to be with as we move that direction, who we are going to be in now and forever in Christ Jesus. Jesus has everything we need where he is calling us, where we are moving forward to. There's no reason to keep pulling all that stuff behind us from where we have been. We need to make sure we're straining forward in the right direction. And fourth, the fourth characteristic of, uh, of commitment is uh, discipline. There's last couple of verses that we had read earlier, 15 and 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And I think as we think about holding true, going back to the running the race analogy, runners in a race have to obey the rules of that race, right? In that, in that uh, race, that relay race we watched, if the anchor, Jason Lezak, had just turned around in the middle and then gone back and touched the wall, it would have looked like 
if you had cut away at the right time, you know, and been like, whoa, what a crazy win. But, but he would have probably been disqualified. There are officials at the Olympics watching uh, for any rule breaks. It's important for us as Christians to know and remember sp- the spiritual rules uh, for our race that we have been called into. And it doesn't matter what we think, what other people think about how those rules should be. It matters what the person who gave us those rules says about them. And that is the Christian life, right? It's not a race that we can cheat for. It's not a race that we can kind of blaze our own trail and get to the end however we feel like it, however we think is best. It is a commitment that we have to be disciplined for. To be all in all the time, we have to be committed to Jesus because he committed to us when he died on that cross because what he did on that was bought us that citizenship to heaven, right? We could not earn that on our own, but we were granted citizenship. We are allowed to run this race only because he bought us that citizenship into his kingdom. We need to be committed to Jesus because he was, he is, and he always will be committed to us. And I want to continue to talk about what this looks like as we think about all of this framed under the umbrella of all in all the time as we head off onto this new school year. Tonight in small groups, we're going to continue to talk about what it looks like to be committed. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll split for small groups. Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, for allowing us to gather in this community, to be together, to enjoy fellowship with, uh, with everyone in this room. But ultimately, thank you so much for what you did on the cross. You paid the price for our citizenship into your kingdom, God. And now we strain forward, we strive to push on towards you, towards what you are calling us to as we run the race that is the Christian life. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And all God's people said, amen.